Welcome back to Spend, Donate, Invest. This is a podcast that's exploring the topic of whether there might be some ways we can line up what we're doing with our money and our values when it comes to the kind of world we'd like to help shape. Because here's the thing. If you're listening to this, you probably vote. You might even protest. Maybe you called your senator about something you want them to do. What I'm trying to chat about on this podcast is if there might be a whole other category of things we can do, specifically with our money. Where do we bank? Where do we shop? Where do we donate? How do we invest? These are the things I wonder about. You might be wondering about them, too. If you are, you can drop a line anytime. The email address is spenddonateinvest at gmail.com. I would be more than happy to explore your topic on the show. Or you can use the voice recorder function on the show's website, which is located at spenddonateinvest.world. Again, that's spenddonateinvest.world. Today, we're going to talk about investing clubs. Are you a member of one? Do you want to be a member of an investing club? Are you already in a book club, a writing club, a walking club? Or am I the only one? (laughs) Where are my fellow outgoing introverts? Throw your hands up. (laughs) Today, I'm going to talk about starting an investing club, and I'm going to be referring to the tips in a book called Activate Your Money by Janine Firpo. This is a great resource that I find myself referring to all the time when I'm making money decisions for myself. It's probably what I would describe as an intermediate-level personal finance book, What I like about it is that it already has that socially responsible mindset type of approach, so I don't have to do a lot of extra work to think through the nuances myself. Recently, you might have heard me doing an episode on how to host a wedding while considering the environmental impact. And in reading the tips from a lot of those sustainability experts, I felt like I had to do a whole second analysis to account for cultural nuances that I felt were largely missing from the conversation. And so it is with a lot of personal finance books. I frequently have this feeling that I'm learning about money from the Monopoly man, (laughs) Rich Uncle Pennybags. That's his real name, by the way. So, you know, a lot of these personal finance books that I've read, especially the older ones, they feel like they're written by you know, the Monopoly man, a pure adherent to capitalism without reservation, only goal is to be as rich as humanly possible. I can't relate. And if you're listening, you probably can't relate either. Of course, I want, I need money, but I'm not going to be happy if I'm rich and there are people who are hungry, unhoused, Um, without access to education, healthcare, safety, leisure time, etc. So, you know, I want and I need money, but I'm not willing to go to, like, any legal means to get it. (laughs) And sometimes that means that, at least for me, some of these personal finance books feel like they're just in that kind of a mindset, the the emphasis of finding every single possible legal loophole to avoid paying taxes, you know, the complete disregard for what industries or what companies our money is tied up in. 
you know, whether you're thinking about your savings account or your investment account. So that's what I like about this book, Activate Your Money. The writer is coming with a dual objective to teach you how to grow your wealth in ways that are less destructive to our society and more positive. We're still talking about capitalism, so there aren't going to be any perfect solutions in the book. Nowhere near perfect, but there are some solid and good places to start. That's what we're doing on this show. Progress, not perfection. I don't know how you arrived at the desire to line up your personal values around climate change, racial justice, gender equity, etc., and your money. Um, maybe in your case, you always felt unsatisfied with having to separate mentally what you were doing with your money and your activism, or maybe for you it can kind of came to you suddenly like it did for me. But pretty quickly after I had the realization that I felt like I had, you know, almost like two different personalities when it came to my activism, my personal beliefs, and then what I was doing with my money, um, one of my first thoughts was to talk to my friends about it. I wanted to know where they were donating, how they were donating. I wanted to know if they'd ever tried putting their money into community banks in under-resourced communities. I wanted to know if my friends had stopped shopping at certain stores because, you know, they had found out the stores made political contributions that worked against our values. I wanted to connect with my friends, really learn from them, and share what I learned, too. And I think I would have also loved some accountability now that I'd had this realization and I wanted to be more values aligned with my money. I wanted to make sure that I didn't just like sit with this pit in my stomach, but that I actually took some action. And for me, maybe you can relate. One of the worst feelings is knowing something is wrong and that I might have some influence and not taking any action. So I think a Investing Club is a great solution to do that. Today, I'm going to talk about how to start an investing club with a values alignment, a socially and responsible investing club, if you will. I mean, that might even be overpromising to call it a socially responsible investing club. Let's say a more values aligned investing club. So the first tip is to identify the leadership of your investing club. Just because you're the one getting the ball rolling on this idea, you don't have to be the group leader. <laughs> there might be someone else or even maybe two people that could be better is if you have two co-leaders that are a natural fit to lead the group. Maybe they have the time, the organizational skills, maybe they have the passion, the energy to lead the group. They don't need to be the most um, sophisticated investors or the most experienced investors to lead the group, in my opinion. The second tip is obviously going to be recruiting members. So you're going to want to hit that sweet spot of getting people who are energized by the idea of socially responsible investing that are committed to learning and exploring you want members who are somewhat similar in terms of their levels of knowledge. This is not an exact science, but but if you have someone who is talking about like backdoor Roth contributions, 
<laughs> and more advanced stuff like that. And then you have another person who's literally never invested before. It might be more challenging to have different levels in the same group. It could work. And I could see how it could be beneficial for everybody, but it might be more challenging. And you can decide how to handle this if there are differing levels of investment experience and knowledge in the group. You can offer, you know, in your group some investing 101 type of sessions, maybe as a one-off, but it might be easier if people are roughly at the same level of investing experience to begin with. And I think it'll be easier if you have members who are also roughly at the same level of wealth. And that is because people who are at different levels of wealth are going to have different types of access to investing just due to the way that our country is set up. And I don't even think that's just in the U.S. I think that's in other countries as well, too. So very wealthy people are what are called accredited investors. That's a legal classification. You have to prove your wealth and then you get privileged access to different types of investment options. So to me, it doesn't make sense. I just can't imagine how well it would go if your investing club has accredited investors with you know, like first time middle income investors trying to think about how to invest their money. So that's the second tip is to recruit members. So now you have your leadership, you have your members. Um, and, you know, in regards to recruiting your members, I also think you want to shoot for a, another sweet spot in terms of the number of members in your investing club. Not too many not too few. If you've ever been a member of a like a book club or an accountability group or something, you know what I mean, right? There's the book recommends a group size of five to 15 for your investing club. That feels about right to me too. My current investing club is in that range. The third tip is to establish the goals and the culture of your investing club. So maybe your goal is to educate and encourage members. Or it might be you actually want to invest your money as a group. Or you might want this to be an accountability group for people to make their individual investments. After you know your goal, I think a lot of things will fall into place. You can start to think about the logistics of the group. Are you meeting in person? Are you meeting virtually? I love a virtual group because I think it can make it easier for people, different people from different communities to gather. And I think that's naturally going to increase the diversity of thought. That's what I've experienced. You're also going to want to think through how often you're meeting. My investment club started meeting monthly. And then recently here, we've been talking about if we want to move to quarterly meetings instead. And maybe that's what you do, too. Maybe you start more frequently while you're bonding and establishing trust as a group. And then maybe you can move to less frequent meetings. And then the culture right? You got to figure out the norms and expectations around respect, trust, community, confidentiality. There's one last tip in the book, which I had not thought about, but really, it just really resonated with me. Instead of asking people to join the investment club, um, just, you know, in perpetuity, <laughs> the book is suggesting that you form your investment club and ask people to join with a set timeline and a clear end date. So, you know, that might be six months or 
one year, whatever makes sense for you. But people will be more likely to commit if they know it's a finite and time-bounded obligation um, or commitment. Obligation has such a negative connotation to it, but, you know, a commitment. And depending on how things go, maybe some members will want to continue at the end of the year and form a new commitment to keep going. That's what happened in my investing club. But it was easier to commit to something just knowing how long of a commitment I was making at the beginning. So those are some starter tips to forming an investment club. If you don't want to start your own investing club, you can also look for one that's already starting up or already in progress. I'll leave a link in the book I referred to today. There's a companion site with a lot of really good information. And there's also a relatively new program for women where you can join an investment circle with a values-aligned focus. Um, I think it's practically, basically almost free, but you can check for yourself to be sure. I've also seen online that people will use different meetup type of websites or even Facebook to join different investment clubs. Um, So take a look and see what's out there. Of course, beware of scams. (laughs) If anybody's asking you to pony up a lot of money or, I don't know, things just seem too good to be true, then they are. If people are, you know, uh, promising you some kind of level of returns or something like that, don't do it. Just be careful. That's it for today. If you are in an investing club already, Uh, Whether or not it has a social responsibility flavor to it, I'd love to hear about it. Or if you're thinking about something else, something related to lining up your money and your values, please drop me a line. The show's email address is spenddonateinvest at gmail.com. Thanks for sending in your topic ideas. That's where these shows are coming from. If you want to support this show, please send this episode to someone who might enjoy it. Check out the backlog. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes on all kinds of topics going back almost a couple of years now. What a lot of new listeners will do is they'll check out the latest episode and then they go way, way back and plow through like 10 episodes at a time or more. Uh, So I don't know about you, but I am so glad we're having this conversation. I don't want to feel like I'm voting and I'm protesting and I'm living my life one way, but then I deal with my money in a completely different, unrelated way. So I hope these conversations are getting us closer to being more aligned. Progress, not perfection, right? Take care and let's talk again soon. 